0: And good evening, everyone. Welcome back to this segment here on Around the Pond. This is Randy Burks. Ron Stone is on assignment. He has is, he is went to the Alabama High School Athletic Association meetings in Montgomery. This segment brought to you by Alpha Insurance with Talisa Shackle for home, auto, and life insurances. Alpha Insurance and Talisa Shackle in Holly Pond. Traditions Bank, your true community bank, we are building bridges. Again, we want to welcome in uh, Louis Bellina. He has been on the program several times. He's the host of the Louis Bellina Show from 11 to 2 on KZNE, 1150 The Zone, in College Station, uh, Bryan. And also, we want to welcome in Olin Buchanan. He's a journalist, a writer for tex He began his career in newspaper in Longview and Tyler, Texas, before going to cover the Aggies for the Bryan College Station Eagle. And now he is on the 8 a.m. Uh, hour with Tex-Aggs. They've got it live on 1150 The Zone. And I believe they're on CWTV also there in College Station, Brian. And he, he's got a wealth of knowledge and stories. And like I said, it's great to have both of them with us. Louie, I want to lead hey, off.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Like I said, and it's great to have y'all. Louie, I want to lead off the first question. Other than July, when you get to take Fridays off, unlike the rest of us, which <laughs> is got to be, got to be great. Uh, you get a little vacation time, but describe your typical work week because it can be six and seven days a week, especially during football season.
2: Well, it's interesting. You know, you use the word difficult, and that's one of the beautiful things for me about working in sports. Uh, it's not difficult. It's long, but like when you're working in sports. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's passion. It's your heart. I've joked before that if I didn't work in sports, I probably would have been fired from a lot of jobs because I would have been that guy at the workplace who talked sports instead of working. So I'm kind of lucky working in sports talk. You know, in the fall, it's football season, right? You got high school football Friday nights over at Bryan Broadcasting, the Zone, and other radio stations. We run six different high schools. Then you got a Texas A&M game day Saturday. So in the fall, it's about a a six-and-a-half-day work week. I host my show, the Louis Bellina Show, Monday through Friday, but I'm also the program director for The Zone. So I got, like, two jobs, not just the hosting job that goes along with it. And on a typical work day, you know, I try and get in the office about nine. You spend two hours just getting ready for your show at 11. I'm on air 11 to 2. You get off the air, program director, and for those that might not be familiar, Program directors, just a really simple title, means responsible for everything. So you image the radio station, you manage the personnel, you're running promotions, you're running contests, you're running events, you're doing your affiliate relations with the different networks that your station. You know, we're with ESPN Radio, Westwood One Sports, uh, Learfield, which is the Texas A&M stuff, we're the flagship, The Zone, WTAW is one of our stations, Gospel, we have three. That's how much AM stuff we do. we got three different radio stations. As part of the flagship for Texas A&M, we run like one, two, three, four, five, six different A&M sports on play-by-play alone. And you do your program stuff till about two. I started up. I get done about four. You come home. When you do a sports talk show, when you're not in the office, everything is prepped. You're watching the games at night. I'm going through the stories on my iPad as I'm watching something else. You know, we got fancy technology. I can log into my office from home. I get an inspiration, ideas, some things I want to work on. I go to the computer room. I log in from home, work on a thing or two, maybe finish up a newsletter, do some social media work at night. On the weekends, I love going into the office because there's nobody there, and there's no phones ringing. You can kind of get into a flow. So even on the weekends, I'll roll into the office for, you know, a couple hours here, a whole lot of hours over there just to get. I hate, one of the things I hate the most, is starting the next week behind. I, like, refuse to do it. So if i got to go in on a Saturday plus a Sunday, I don't care about the hours involved, just to make sure the next week you don't start behind. I hate that feeling. And it sounds like a lot, and it's six and a half days, but it's sports. It's like a passion. It's something you love. And for people in radio and people in radio and sports, if you're in this business, I say over five years, you're doing it because of the passion. You do it because you love it. So there's a quality of life that's really high because even when you're working, you're having a great time. So the hours don't feel that hard. You know, you don't feel like you're getting ground down because you're doing something you really love. So it, it's a crazy kind of schedule. Summertime is the slower time. June and July is when I take my vacation time And the football season. It's kind of unthinkable. And even here in the spring when you got Aggie baseball and about 50 different A&M sports going on, The idea of taking time off seems a little bit nuts. But all in all, it's sports. It's fun. So it's work, yes, but it's fun work. I smile every day when I go drive to work.
0: You know, one thing I remember, the first time I ever met you, I was listening to A&M softball because there's not a lot of stations, especially around here, cover softball. And since I always had an interest in A and M, I was listening to the games, and that's actually how I learned you the first time. And, yep. and then I you, remember
2: meeting you at what, Auburn A and M.
0: Well, it was uh, actually in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We had taken oh, it
2: was Alabama. Yeah. AM. Sorry.
0: Yeah, they had taken the uh, we had taken our our kids down to watch the game, and uh, actually A and M won the game. It was a great game, and uh, but it was it was a great opportunity I got to meet you, and it's just. You know, it's, it's grown from there. And uh, now, Olin, you started out in the newspaper business. Uh, tell us a little yes. bit of the progress, how it went from the time you began in newspapers to where you are now. Um,
1: okay, I started in Longview, Texas. I was 19 years old, and I was going to go uh, to college at Stephen F. Austin State University down in Nacogdoches, Texas. But one day, I had a part-time well, I had a part-time job at the uh, Longview News, the one day I walked in to uh, uh, take basketball scores over the phone, and the sports editor said, hey, you want to be a full-time sports writer? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, one of our staff writers just got arrested, so uh, there's an (laughs) opening. And so I started my career because somebody else got arrested. (laughs) So uh, I started there. I said, I'm going to college. He said, you don't have to go to college. I'll teach you everything you need to know.
0: And when you're 19
1: years old, that sounds like a good deal, uh, I guess. So uh, I went to work at the newspaper Longview when I was 19. About six years later, I moved over to Tyler because they paid overtime and Longview didn't. And about six years after that, uh, I had an opportunity to cover uh, the Aggies for the Bryan College Station Eagle. And I was uh, at a point in my career where I knew that I could write good things about you know, teams and Tyler for the rest of my life and nobody would notice, but a, uh, if I was going to have a real future in this, in the journalism business, I needed to cover a big time, um, the big time college program. So I covered a and at the Bryan College Station Eagle for two years and was then approached by the Austin American Statesman. Um, and so I went over there because they paid a lot more than the Bryan College Station Eagle. And I covered, uh, high schools for five years and then the Texas Longhorns for a couple and then back to Texas A&M. because they covered A&M too. Uh, And I did that for 11 years until I was approached by rivals.com and slash Yahoo to be a national college football writer for that, for them. And so I did that for about six years, got laid off because well, the Yahoo was having a lot of layoffs in that. Uh, So I got laid off and, I was 50 years old with no college education. I've been watching uh, ball games for 30 years. It wasn't a big market for me. And I was gonna go work in a Publix grocery store. And I got a call one day out of the blue from uh, one of the owners at Tex-Ag. Said they heard I was available, wondering if I'd be interested. And I said, yeah, I'll be interested. They flew me down from Nashville to uh, College Station and uh, interviewed me and a week later, they hired me, and I've been there ever
0: since. It's the best job I've ever had. Well,
2: That's I throw it. something in there, Randy, about uh, Olin. Yes, sir. You know, journalists, journalism, Olin said that. One of the things I love, admire, why I love Olin so much is Olin is a true journalist. You, you know, you heard the history there through the newspaper, the Rivals.com, Texags now. I think we live in a time where a lot of the modern journalists, about clicks and views and opinions, they're not about journalism anymore. I think journalism has been dying for a while. It's opinion of mine, but Olin is a true journalism journalist and brought up in the ways of journalism. And he asks the real questions, the tough questions, and he's looking for the interesting stories and remembers the way journalism journalism's supposed to be. It's one of the reasons why I love what Olin does and what he's all about.
0: Well, that's one thing. Do
1: that when you're old.
0: <laughs> well that's one of the things that i always thought was great was like you know there was one there was one time you had a i forgot i it, they were having it was on it was on the early part and it was sec media down, are oh, almost down in to coast when they have the coaches or whatever okay. it is in the spring and i remember he was walking around out around the pool or something like that, and it was just ad lib. It was absolute, absolutely, it was absolutely funny. But at the same time, he is one of the few that will ask Jimbo Fisher the tough question. He will ask Nick Saban the tough question. And that's what journalists
2: are supposed to do. Yes, and that's,
0: that's no one, one does problem. that anymore. Um,
1: um, you know, I got a lot of attention uh, and without you know, looking for it. It just so happened that way uh, a couple of years ago at Destin. When I asked Nick Saban, you know, after he made the comments about Texas a and buying its entire class, I said, what evidence do you have for that? And he said, well, I didn't think there was anything wrong. I said, well, you said that they bought their entire class. Well, um, was a, I was surprised at the reaction that got because it was just a direct question, right? And uh, Pat Forty from Sports Illustrated Led his article on it, that he was there with, with me asking that question, and I was like, I, "My whole life, from the time I was like twelve, I always wanted to get in the Sports Illustrated, but I wanted it to be for something different than that." But <laughs> finally, made it. But it wasn't the way I had in mind.
2: Uh, I i do not know. You got in there for being a journalist. You got in you there know, for right? asking a real question.
1: I yeah. You look, it was a it was, but it was it was topical. And uh, it was pertinent to the uh, to the beat I cover, so um, you know it's it, I, I didn't understand the the reaction, and I probably still don't because I mean it's just a guy doing his job.
0: What I really believe it was was I think he was at that here in Alabama, I believe, and I think it was really a message sent to the boosters at Alabama hey the, they've got this already going we've got to catch up and i really i've always believed that uh i know really? i know down at – in
1: fact he he said he said as much
0: and down at auburn uh you know you've got on to victory that has joined in now um so really really that one incident has really ramped it up at Tuscaloosa, it's ramped it up at Auburn. Um, well, and so I think, really, the question you asked was extremely important.
1: Well, you know, the, the, I, mean, I don't know what, what it was like at Auburn right away. But I think it was already ramped up at uh, Alabama because a year, almost a year before that, uh, uh, Nick Saban came to San Antonio for the annual high school coaches convention. And he spoke and talked about how Bryce Young already had a million dollars in NIL deals. And NIL had only,
2: yep.
1: been, uh, had only been, what's the word, enacted uh, for about a month. And so Bryce Young already had, according to the coach, already had over a million dollars in NIL deals. And I was always scratching my head and saying, well, why are people upset with A&M when, uh, <laughs> you know, when Nick Saban's quarterback already had a million dollars before he ever really
0: played a meaningful snap yet. Louie, this question will be for you. Um last year A&M struggled stopping the run. Uh they had some off the field situations and distractions. Uh the offensive line struggled at times. Uh if I remember right, I do believe they were playing what's uh but on the team six or seven freshmen on uh more mixed than up.
2: that. More than that.
0: And uh but they finished really strong with the win over LSU. Did that carry over into the spring, and will it carry on over into this season?
2: A lot of the things that you mentioned were kind of almost addressed, like the problems that they had. They had some bad apples in the, in the clubhouse, in the locker room. Well, there's a lot of players that aren't here right now, and that would include the group of players that seem to not be able to get their act straight. They're just not here. So, that kind of problem seems to have taken care of itself. I mean, and something as far as the bad apples, a lot of those players went to other programs, and they're already not there either, just to point that out. So the problems, you know, within the culture, some set or within the locker room, I think a lot of that fixed itself. Uh, addition by subtraction. As far as stopping the run goes, you know, they were playing. We talk about all those freshmen. They're playing a lot of defensive linemen that were true freshmen or getting their first play in time and there's a lot of education and learning going on with a first year defensive coordinator learning their personnel so there's a lot of defensive linemen that got a lot of education a lot of snaps a lot of experience in a second year defensive coordinator that defensive line i think they have potentially four or five future nfl players in it that's the talent level of the defensive line and they're not rookies anymore they're not freshmen they're not well, there's always more to learn, but they're not learning everything now anymore. And when you got a defensive line that can create chaos, I think you'll be a little bit better against the run. As far as the offensive line goes, one of the biggest storylines last year was health. And, you know, if they stay healthy, you have the chance to be better just for one simple element. And also it'll be the second year of the offensive line coach. So a lot of the problems that they had last year have a natural You know, not without. oh, no, this new five-star stepping in and, you know, this kind of thing. There's natural ways that A&M is better. But how much better, we're going to find out when the games start. But there's a natural way that all these different things that were broken. Now, as far as finishing strong LSU, almost that entire team returns. And I don't think there's any doubt that the positive momentum from that had to be a boost going into the spring but truthfully bobby petrino is a bigger boost than i think beating lsu was and then once you start practicing in the spring i don't know how much lsu how far it takes you but if you would have lost that one and well you would have been what four and eight yeah beating lsu without a doubt i think gave you a big boost into it. there's other factors and i get bobby petrino is a lot bigger factor than i think lsu heading into 2023
0: I think Bobby Petrino he was he was at Auburn as the offensive coordinator um uh, and I'm sure most many of y'all are aware of the story when he went to Louisville uh, but uh, he was he was very good. He used some two-tight end sets at times. They were a very good uh ball control offensive team when he was there. One of the weaknesses that I keep see I kept seeing and this is just me, my opinion um uh, when AM would play Alabama, um, they would go they would run a lot of motion with the receivers, they would force Alabama to show what type of coverages they were in, the defense, and it seemed like other than that one game, they would get away from it, uh, and then would be and would go to kind of a you know, a stale package. But I really believe that Petrino's the type that he won't allow that to happen. I could be wrong, but I really believe...
2: No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. That's, you're not wrong. That's one of the things that's fully expected is, we'll just say pre-snap, whether it's a personnel, you know, line, everything pre-snap, including motion, yes. And that was one of the things last year that was talked about a lot. a and was one of, what, the fewest like pre-snap motion teams. Even though these random games, they had a ton of pre-snap motion. And then three straight games, it was stagnant again. There's no doubt Petrino's going to incorporate that. That'll be a part of to confuse the defense, to make the defense show Are you man his zone?" basic fundamentals of what an offense should be doing. Yes. And Olin. Yeah, we think, uh, yeah, I think
1: Petrino's going to add a lot. Just talking to players. Uh, they're talking about uh, so many more sets, uh, different packages than we saw last year, uh, much more deception and emotion. So, um, they they need to do something to jumpstart that offense because the only thing that was consistent about their offense last year, other than that was consistently poor, was uh, Devon H. He's playing for the Dolphins now. So uh, they have really good receivers and, we think, an emerging quarterback. So uh, with Bobby Petrino's influence, I think there's a a lot of potential for some great things. But, you know, we'd much rather be talking about production than, than potential.
0: Right. And Olin with uh, Connor Wigman, he really looks like he's potentially the, to me, I would have to believe he's a starter. I know that um, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. The lefty Jackson. Max Johnson has got experience, but he also tends to turn the ball over at times. Uh, Connor Wigman looks the part, looks the role, and he really played well later in the season. Uh the, the receivers are extremely talented and good. Um, this offense could be really explosive if this, if the line can really do its job. That offense could put a lot more points up on the board this year.
1: Well, you know, and that's what they're counting on. Um, uh, and that's why they brought in Petrino. And, and I, you know what? I uh, commend uh, Jimbo Fisher for acknowledging that he was part of the problem and said, hey, I need to bring in an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, you would see AM have a play coming up, it's a big play, and you'd look over Jimbo would be, okay, I gotta take some time to get off the official. Uh, now I got this thing It looks like the old Sears catalog with my glasses down on my nose, trying to figure out which play I'm gonna call. And now I gotta make sure I've got the right personnel in. And by the time you
0: do all that,
1: A and M was trying to rush in place. I don't know how many delayed game penalties they got or false starts. Or uh, or having to take their their timeouts, uh, you know, too early, and they don't have them late in the game. Um, so I think with Trino there, um, that that offense will be more efficient. will be more streamlined, and he's going to come up with I think creative ways to get the ball to um, Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad and Anaya Smith uh, and those guys. You know, get the ball. he says feed the studs. And he's got, a, he's got a bunch of
2: them. Um, I love that feed the studs, by the way.
1: Yeah, and he's got a bunch of them. So um, you know, I look for uh, for them to be much more creative, much more explosive than they were last year, even without the body change.
0: And I do think,
1: I think, all right, let's say it again, I think the offensive line is going to be better if for no other reason than Bryce Foster, who only played three games last year at center. He's healthy and back, and Cam Dewberry, uh, who ended up in the starting lineup at left guard um, as a true freshman last year because the two guys in front of him got hurt, and they got better when he played. So, you know, with those guys playing all the time, Trey Zune, the left tackle, um, played hurt with shoulder and knee injuries all year. Uh, he's healthy. He, he, will he be better? Well, he has to be better. You think that he'll be better healthy. You hope so. Um, and then Reuben Fathery, who as a freshman we thought he was going to be something special, uh, that game when they beat Alabama here two years ago, and they had that th- those two late scoring drives, uh, Alabama matched up Will Anderson on him, and, and Will Anderson couldn't, you know, couldn't make a play. He shut him out. So, uh, uh, but last year he took a step back. He got too heavy. He's lost 10 pounds. Layden Robinson has lost 10 pounds. He's the, the right guard. Um, so you look at that and you see, here's some reasons that A&M should be better. But just because you have reasons that they should be better in the offensive line doesn't necessarily mean they will be. Uh, but it does give you reason to have some, let's call it, uh, let's call it, uh, optimism. Well, I'm gonna call it cautious optimism.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what? Now Auburn had its first scrimmage over last Saturday, mo- last Saturday morning. Uh, and
2: you're the man that would have all the scoop. You're Mister Auburn. So.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I've got all the scoop.
2: This is this Come on, is. On, you're Mister Auburn. You text me. I, I, he, I, we, he does. He texts me. He's giving little Auburn. Did you know? Look at this guy. I heard about this. Yeah. I'm getting all my he, Auburn info from him. <laughs> so, so Peyton Thorne or uh, or Ashburn.
0: Honestly, I think it's honestly I think it's going to be Peyton Thorn. Uh, yeah. yeah. Peyton Thorn, he's got the most experience. Ashford the most unbelievable athletic ability, but he still misses on a lot of throws, but he's improved. He has improved. Uh, uh he's still at times the one behind the receivers, but it's he is uh holding Garner is probably the best pure passer. But he's a freshman, so he's got, you know, you know. I think they're probably no going to go with did. the older guys first. But if you have suddenly towards the – if uh, Thorne goes down, you know, don't be shocked if you don't see Holden come in at some point. Um, and they've got Walker White. Uh, Rick, they're, you know, he's committed for next year out of uh, Arkansas, he's probably your quarterback of the future. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would I would go Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ash, and I expect Ashford to come in and throw different sets at the uh, opposed- back, uh
2: Package quarterback?
0: Yes. Yes, I, I do. i got a
2: recruiting Auburn question for you. Okay. What happened a couple of weeks ago when they flipped the five-star from Georgia, five-star from Alabama, in-state kid, and then what, they pulled another five-star on their own?
0: Uh, I will say this, everybody, three-tenths of this state celebrated. (laughs) Because this is the reason, you know, you and I had this conversation last fall. You asked me who we we wanted for a coach. Uh, Because I'll be honest, uh, and this is really hard to believe, but I will sit and listen to Auburn. If they're down 30 to nothing, I'm staying with the ball game. It's just me. Um, but at the same time, last year got so depressing under uh, whatever his name was. It, Wilcox. it was. It was. Let me put it this way: when the when you're losing to Arkansas and you can't do anything, I mean, it was completely pathetic. I was mowing the yard and I turned it off and I went to somebody else. I just absolutely could not handle it anymore. Because uh, I listen to games when I, I, it takes me four hours to get my yard done between mowing and weed eating, trimming. I have to push mow the banks, out near the road. It uh, our house sits two hundred feet off the road, and it's a county road, so it's there's a lot to mow. But I, I enjoy listening to games. That's one thing that I enjoy listening to A and M broadcast. I enjoy uh, listening. You know, I'll, I'll line them up each Saturdays. I'm working outside, but it was depressing, and then, when he actually had the nerve late in the game, I want to say um two minutes to go in a game or something like that this one this one boy already played in his four games, and he he tells him to go out on the field in meaningless time burn your burn your red shirt year uh to go out for two minutes and I was like. That is somebody that either does not have all his information right or that's just a really crappy thing to do. And at, I just after that I was totally out on him. I just I just couldn't believe anybody was that callous. And so you
2: tell me you're already depressed, you're cutting grass, can't watch, and it got worse. And it got worse.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: I can kinda of relate to that feeling, uh, of- uh, when I was at uh, Auburn, I would have rather been cutting grass and watching that A&M performance uh, uh, at Auburn. What was that? Uh, that offensive performance? What, what was it, thirteen to, 10? 13 to ten? Thirteen to ten. Scored the touchdown in the last. I think A&M scored the touchdown in the last minute or two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was like I think uh, from an A&M perspective, cutting grass would have been a lot more enjoyable than watching that offensive. That I don't even want to call it a display. Uh, but, you know, uh, if there's any good come from it, maybe that was the day when Fisher said, all right, I'm going to have to give up the rain to somebody else.
0: You know, Cadillac Williams grew up 45 minutes from here.
2: From your radio station?
0: No, from our, where we live. Okay. Uh, he's a, he's from Attala If you get on Highway 278 East from Holly Pond and you drive 45, 35 to 45 minutes, you're in downtown Atala. And that's where he grew up. And uh, and the truth of it was, he was originally, looked like he was committing to Tennessee before he commi- committed to Auburn. And, but it really was, it, he was, everybody knew. Uh, and, and then it was Carnell Williams. He didn't get to be Cadillac until the TV stations hmm. give him the nickname. Uh, but he, but really, in all honesty, his heart, when he became interim coach, his heart and soul be it, being able to talk, communicate to the players, connect with them, uh, talk about what it really means as a family, was what really saved the program and turned it around. Uh, now were they really good? I remember no. his
2: passion. It was obvious through the TV set. Didn't he like burst into tears after the first win? I remember the post game. I was watching it and they had like the post game, you know, reporter with him and he could, you know, talk about emotional. You could see what it meant to him.
0: It well it's what it's 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 what he really feels inside. I mean, that's really him. And that's what's it was genuine. It was nothing put on, nothing fake. It was genuine and that flowed into the team. Now, had they lost a ton of players by then? Yes, they had. Uh, they lost like 20 players that uh, just basically just were, hit the transfer portal and quit because of the situation. And but he really held it. Now, offensive line. I think offensive line will be improved. Uh, they've got some transfers in. Dylan Wade. Uh, he'll yeah, be. At it looks
1: l- like a uh, group of five all-star team.
0: Are you talking about the offensive line?
1: Yeah, then you got one from Tulsa, one from Western Kentucky, and one from like Florida Atlantic or someplace like that. Well, they
0: got Avery Jones from East Carolina, Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky, and Dylan Wade from Tulsa. Matter of fact, there was a muskrat came from Tulsa also. He'll be second team. Uh, But yeah, this it's a muskrat. Muskrat, yep.
2: That's awesome. That's SBC football name right there.
0: And uh but it's they're uh they've got a transfer in from that left northwestern after everything went down, and he's got a lot of potential. Um Connor Lou would probably have to be your backup center. He's a true freshman. Um but withholding uh, they hold with injuries, the offensive line should be better. Now I text uh Louie a week or so ago, or about two <laughs> weeks ago, that Jock Hunter was back at practice.
1: Okay, so he's, he's got his off-field issues uh, straightened
0: out. Uh, yes, but that's not to say he may not have to sit out the first game or two. We'll see. Yeah,
1: but it was the first game again?
0: Yeah, first game is Massachusetts, and I I will well, be so I'll be honest, Damari Austin has re- he's a he. I don't know if he's going to be counted as a redshirt freshman he probably will he's really showed a lot of uh, strong running ability uh, you got jeremiah cobb that's a true freshman uh, sean jackson is like a bowling ball like an old fullback uh, he's a sophomore uh, he's a walk-on and then you've got uh, brian Batee that transferred in from south florida um, watch him, especially third down and kick returns. He, he's, 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 he's not easy to bring down. Uh, tied in Rivaldo Fairweather out of FIU. Another,
1: uh, group of five guys, right? He might yes. Guy.
0: Yes. And he is a total mismatch with whoever he lines up with. Um, tied in, they'll probably flex him a lot, but you know, uh, Freeze likes the tall receivers, uh, so don't, I, I'm, I'm looking for, th- uh, probably one of the things I'm concerned about more than anything, in the first scrimmage, Auburn didn't set the edge very well, especially early on, um, they're all, uh, they got to get pressure up front, they didn't do that last year, uh, that's two key things they'll have to do to improve on linebacker play. really
2: was not built in a day mm-hmm. and you know auburn has a lot of holes but one thing i kind of do believe auburn's going to be very good very soon especially if is going to be recruiting at the level he has so far and i think transfer portal wise they will be able to pull in we'll say more than group of five all-stars sooner versus later mm-hmm. i do think auburn's going to be very good very soon
0: now watch for austin keys at linebacker uh he was a transfer from Ole Miss uh now also uh Mario Tolan that uh just suddenly disappeared from the team he was in the 2 deep at linebacker he was a transfer from LSU he just disappeared beyond that I don't know um and then um, but that's some of the things I've seen uh just me paying attention um what you see as a prediction for Auburn. You know, I don't know, could be 7 5 8 and 4. Um 8 and 4
2: wouldn't that be a success in year one?
0: It, def- it, took
2: it, over?
0: it really would. It would
2: be an, an amazing showing.
0: Because so do I. If otherwise with what was coming back, uh with uh the if we'd had the same coaches this year, I don't think they would won 3 ball games. <laughs> I'm just you being honest. You are a fan
2: of the coaching staff. I get
0: it. No, no I was not a fan at all. Um, but uh, uh, I, I got... Now, one of, one of you alls probably heard this because I know you've got good sources. Is I know that Petrino likes the two sets, the two tights at times with a 12-package. What is the... What is there a chance that they'll line up empty backfield and suddenly... Bring a nice in motion. What is your thoughts on that?
2: Empty set a nice in motion. I'd say very likely if we're voting here, I, I could see that
0: completely.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss or discount anything. Now, we don't get to get into practice and see what they're doing, uh, but. Again, I expect him to be very creative, and Anais has played running back before.
2: Yep. So, um, uh,
1: you know, I I could see it. I, I, all you're suggesting they come out empty and then uh, Anais shifts back into the running back spot or something like that, I, I think you're going to... Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I think you're going to see more jet sweeps to uh, guys like Moose uh, Muhammad and Anais and uh, uh, Stewart. I think, I think what... Petrino is going to do is whatever it takes to try to set up uh, favorable matchups, which is what every coach wants to do. It's just that by his track record, Petrino uh, is better than most at being able to uh, set up those advantageous matchups and then get
2: the ball to the guy he wants. Mm -hmm. And Olin mentioned coming out five wide and then Anais comes in, you know, ends up as the single back, right? I could see Anais starting as the back and then motioning out into the wide. I, I, yeah, do all kinds
1: of things. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I think that's part of what Petrino has. That's the way he's going to use his personnel. They're going to do both. And, again, and move the defense and see what they're doing and create a mismatch somewhere on the field. That's what Petrino does.
1: And they have guys, I mean, a lot of them, that um, if, if you can get that mismatch, and if Connor Wiggins or Max Johnson can get them the ball, they, can, they have the guys that can make a 10-yard pass into a 50-yard game. Um, and um, Lord knows, <laughs> we'd like to see it because we didn't see a lot of 50-yard games <laughs> last year unless it was uh, Devon H. uh making it happen. But anybody else, uh, didn't? a few and far between.
2: a and <laughs> starting wide receiving core. And I'll even go four deep, you know what Thomas's potential, but the starting eight wide receiving court, I think, is one of the tops in the in the SEC. Starting. Some might be better if you go four, five, and six, whatever. But Adams starting three can match up with almost any starting three in the I, SEC. I would, that so
1: far, I would go so far as to say I'm not gonna say they're better, that they're the best. I'm just gonna say that they're as
2: good as anybody. I'm good with that statement. they're, they're that good. Starting three
1: for him. I mean, mean, Evan Stewart was a freshman All American last year. Moose Muhammad, once they start letting him play, they see him making all these one handed catches all over the place. He's a a big play waiting to happen if you just give him a chance. And then, of course, Anaya Smith, hey, we're we're in uh, the last two games because he was hurt against Alabama last year. Last two games he's played against Alabama, he scored four touchdowns. Which is good. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I think everybody knows if you're paying any attention. Anaya Smith, a big-time player, and they missed him as he got hurt trying to block downfield against uh, Arkansas.
2: And I know you people might not want to count this as far as when you judge wide receivers, but don't forget, Aniah Smith is a weapon in special teams, too.
1: Okay, he, he, he just – you know, he kind of reminds me of – I don't know if he has the same straight-line speed, but you remember the Kadarius Tony from Florida? Of course. Uh, or, uh, or the guy at, uh, from South Carolina that's with the uh, – uh Niners now that's so good. Um why am I drawing a blank? Uh Vivo Samuel, I think he's that kind of player. Uh maybe not as good as those guys or not as fast, but he's that type of player that you can do a whole lot of things with. He's very versatile. And and and, it, and we've seen it. Again, I talked about how he was a he was a starting running back, again. the season as a starting running back in 2020. And uh, they saw Isaiah Smith. When I, I mean, I still run to, okay, maybe we need to get both these guys on the field. And um, he's just been a guy that makes a lot of big plays as a receiver. And why would he not now, um, especially if uh, Petrino's as good as he's supposed to be, at, again, at getting any favorable matchups.
0: Now, Louie, I've got to ask you one question. This is kind of off the topic a little. One uh,
2: question. You can ask him as many as you want.
0: Hey, we've got – I've got – A father of a girl that my daughter plays uh, volleyball with, and uh, he is originally from Houston, Texas. He is a big time Astros fan.
2: He's a good man, then.
0: And and
2: and I think if I and
0: I think I think Olin likes is Olin like the team up north? Is that what that is? He's an Oakland A's fan. No, I'm a you
1: know i I rooting for that team that's
2: in first place in the West. First time in thirty years. That's fine. <laughs> well, I, I didn't say
1: anything like that. I just said they're
0: in the first place in the West now. Okay, for Louis, he, yeah, for him, what is it going to take the Astros to overtake the Rangers and get into first place? Healthy, healthy, healthy.
2: The, the one word. It's healthy. There, there's no player to trade for. They already made their trades. They need healthy right now. They've suffered injuries this year. Jordan Alvarez, Altuve, Michael Brantley has been out since 2022. One of the biggest things, the storyline with the Astros, and this has nothing to do with the Rangers, storyline with the Astros, pitching fatigue. Lance McCullers has been out the whole year. Fromber suffered from fatigue. And he's still pitching well, but you see it. If you watch the Astros every day, Javier right now. And these pitchers are in their prime. But when you take the past six years of the Astros, and some of them are in year three and four, so they're so still young in their careers. But when you take a team like the Astros, have been the four World Series, one, two, been to like, you know, six straight ALCS, everything they've done, they've had so many postseason games that these young pitchers have accumulated so many innings that, you know, look at Luis Garcia this year, injured out for the year. Garcia's missed almost this entire season. McCullers is out. Javier suffered fatigue. It's just kind of caught up to them because the whole key to this season for the Astros was they had like six, seven starters. They could have done a six-man rotation like they did last year, but injuries have just beat up that pitching staff. If they get healthy for September, they get healthy for October. Yes, they can catch the Rangers, and yes, they can go to another World Series, but we say if they can get healthy, they haven't been healthy all year. I mean, Altuve now has an inflammation after, you know, I think, fouled a ball off himself last night. Urquides is back. One awful start, one good start. And again, when will Javier's arm bounce back, there's things like that. Brantley's starting a second rehab assignment. He did one back in May and, well, suffered a setback that just now in August he's getting a chance. There's a lot of questions like that. Healthy. That's the only word. They will catch the Rangers if they can get healthy, but they haven't been healthy all year.
0: I would like to see the Braves playing one of them. In the World Series, um, you know the bright. You
2: spend whole decade watching the Braves playing the World Series.
0: I, let me put it this: I went to a Braves game. I remember my dad taking me to the Braves games when I was about 13, 14 years old, and all they really had was Murphy. And um, so, I mean, I went through the I went through the bad times all the way up. And, you know, it was it was great when they actually have won some, but this year they've just got to find a way to beat the. Oakland A's and the Pittsburgh Pirates—the two teams they just struggle with. I cannot figure that out. The
2: Astros in their World Series years, like I think it was last year. You know, might might be off. They, they like lost to the A's a year ago, and like you know, a series of the Pirates. They lost to Detroit last year. I remember that. They played like two series and lost both, but they won the World Series. One hundred sixty-two games, man. It's you got these odd moments that happened in there. And yet the Braves are the best team in baseball right now, despite losing to the
0: A's and the Pirates. Owen, oh, this next question is for you. you The one thing, like I said, we had wanted to have you on is because you asked a difficult question, and you get an answer. It may not always be the answer you're looking for, but you are getting one. Other than West Canaan quarterback Jonathan Moxon, Uh, What coach or player has ever given you a response that left you like, I have no idea what he just said?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, That could be Jimbo just about any week. Because not that he's not trying to give you an honest answer. It's just he talks so fast. uh, He talks like Barry Sanders runs. It's fast. Changes direction. Reverses his field, stutter stuff, and then pick up speed. You know? And through all that I'm like, what what did I just hear? Uh, so, you know, and, and again, that's not he's not he's not uncooperative. He's not talking about that won't answer question. It's just sometimes when he answers and you know he'll he'll like be making a point, but like half about in the middle of making his point, he'll think of something else that makes him veer off in a different direction and then somehow after changing the topic and the, uh, the uh, discussion a couple times they will get back to the original point <laughs> um, uh, the hardest part of my job now is just transcribing quotes
2: you know for those of us that cover Jimbo one of the most the great things he loves to talk football and when we're having right. our little media sessions with him He'll talk football. Like Olin said, he'll talk football football with you all day. You know, like most head coaches, he ain't going to give you plays and tell you the game plan, and, and they don't talk injuries. That's fine. But he'll talk football. And like Olin said, when Jimbo goes off to talk football, you might need a flow chart sometimes to follow everything that's going on. But he loves to talk football.
1: Yeah, you're not being uncooperative. It's just, it's just the way –
0: Hey, we got both of y'all. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay.
1: I, uh, I was moving my hands around and hit the. <laughs> while I was talking, I hit the button to, I figured, to, uh, to hang up. I'm sorry. About I figured. Andy, Jim- I was
2: like, Olin was like, I don't want to talk. I'm out. No more Jimbo. I'm, I'm done with you
1: guys. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's not that he's um, not not uh, not, that he's not cooperative. He just, you know, he has his own speech pattern, kind of like me. By the way, I am impressed. That uh, that you brought up, Jonathan Moxon. I did get a check. Just I got my uh, my quarterly check uh, from Varsity Blues just last week. Three figures of a whopping eight dollars and thirty three cents. Every month. Uh, it's quarterly, every three months. Every three months. Okay. That was one. That was one of the big ones.
2: So you might get a nine ninety nine special once a year, thanks to Varsity Blues.
0: Uh, if it's on TV a lot, I this is no lie, honestly. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to
1: break in, you know, break the twenty dollar
0: bill. I was watching, was I think it was last year, and "Varsity Blues" was on. For some reason, that draws me in every time. There's that one, uh, there's "Field of Dreams," Godfather, uh, and there's one called "Touchback" that catches me every single time. It comes on the Pluto Pluto uh, app, but uh, see, and but I'd already made up my mind uh, what I was going to do, how I had laid out my outline, what I was going to ask ask you guys. And the funniest thing was, after I finished doing the yard Sunday night on CMT, Varsity Blues come on, and I was like, I really need to go to bed, but I'm going to hang with it just to go watch that one part. Where Olin makes his appearance and asks him the question, it's just—it's just—I don't know—that's just a classic, classic part of it. It goes
2: to bed you know when the Olin Buchanan feature comes on. <laughs> uh, my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right,
0: I know, I know, we're running a little bit longer, and I appreciate you guys staying with me. I really do. And Mr. Buchanan, it's been awesome. To have the opportunity mm-hmm. to be with you tonight. Well, you
1: call me Olin.
0: and I can. I can call you Olin. and but you know this conference realignment stuff. is is going every which way. The Big Ten are they going? They're probably going to grab two more. Um, you know we know that Florida State, you North Carolina, Miami, Clemson, all really they're either drumming the beat to get more money uh, out of the ACC, or they're going to try to find a way to get enough teams to where they can break it off and dissolve the conference, whichever way it whichever way it goes. If you were picking four teams that you wanted to join the conference, each of you, which four teams would you want?
2: You go first, Olin. Okay, um, four
1: teams, all right? If I can get any four teams, any four teams. Well, you know what? Everybody wants Notre Dame, but I'm not going to say Notre Dame because I like the 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 fact that the SEC is still regional. So uh, I would say I would say Florida State for sure. Uh, I guess Clemson. I don't know that Clemson gives you that much because it's the even though they're really good uh, or they have been really good, it's the you know number two school in, in terms of I, I guess followers. In a, in a sparsely populated state to begin with, but okay, Clemson. And then I'd say Virginia Tech, or Virginia, whichever one, and uh, North
2: Carolina. Man, Owen and I kind of have the same list. I always struggle with my fourth. I know I want Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Clemson. The fourth one I struggle with. Everybody says Florida State. You know, they, they already have SEC School in Florida.
1: Yeah, Florida that's State. why I want
2: them to be Florida State. Okay. Why not Miami though?
1: Well, well, first of all,
2: Miami's a, a uh,
1: private school that doesn't even have an on-campus uh, stadium, and uh, they, they don't have they don't have fall. But mainly Florida State because you know when A was, they had the, uh, the gentleman's agreement that they would be the only team with, with Mike Slide, the only team in Texas in the SEC. And then of course Greg says, Oh, that was Mike Slides deal. Uh, yeah, we're gonna take Texas. Okay. Well, I think uh, teams like Florida were saying, Yeah, that's what we need to do. Well, okay, let's let's take Florida State in so you can uh, you know so so the karma can come back on the
2: Gators. I just don't like Florida State. They're loud, they make noise. You know, <laughs> they, like everybody they just, <laughs> in the SEC. Oh, but okay, I haven't heard Vanderbilt say anything. Okay, well, Vanderbilt is... Um, Different. they
1: just <laughs> glad to be invited to the party. They know they
2: need to be quiet and know their role.
1: But, but they're actually finally putting some money into their program and building up their, uh, improving their stadium. I, sometimes I wonder if somebody from the SEC didn't finally say, uh, look, you guys are going to have to start uh, uh, investing in your program because with all this expansion uh maybe we can kick some guys out as well as bring other guys in
0: whether they said something or not i do believe they felt the pressure because they were putting nothing in athletes but this but now i will tell you this based on where they're sitting at renovations right now a&m put up a whole side of a stadium in what eight nine months something like that yeah Uh, vandy is in the work in progress that is nowhere. Well,
1: word. it's Vanderbilt, so they probably had to sit around and think about it for about you know six months. Okay, you know we got to think about it from every direction.
2: How can we do this and doing. not interrupt classes? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Vanderbilt did. How do we not interrupt classes? You know, uh, it, never mind, uh, Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt.
0: This is this is my thoughts. I do think if i think the big 10 is going to try to reach into florida and get either miami or florida state i really do they won't into that market uh, i do believe that florida state is more a pick for the sec there was a doubt. there was a game in 1984 that i listened to on the radio between Auburn and florida state uh that was not on T V, believe it or not. It's one of the greatest games ever played and neither team could stop either one. Auburn won it forty two to forty one behind Brent Fullwoods rushing. And it was an incredible game. It was the night I was so superstitious I was afraid to move. Um <laughs> if you move something went wrong. It was an incredible game. And um uh, and also I do believe North I believe Clemson Clemson's probably pretty much one of the picks. North Carolina, I really do, but they want the state of North Carolina. I truly believe North Carolina would be the first pick depending on whether uh, one of the where it's Miami or whoever or maybe it's North Carolina and Virginia that the big ten go after really strong. It might be North Carolina state that gets picked. But I truly believe it's going to be one of the two Virginia schools, whether it's Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is more of an SEC school than Virginia, yep. but Virginia does have a huge following. But I think Virginia is going to be one of the schools that is probably picked for the Big Ten. I truly believe that. But
2: I think the Big what? Ten is going to sit and wait on Notre Dame you know, as their 19th school before they do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Big Ten wanted to take uh, Washington and Oregon, but their hand got forced because the Pac-12 imploded. That mm-hmm. was their plan B that they had to do before A.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: right now, the way things set, I don't think they have to go to 20, because I think the expansion to 18 fulfilled the money that was left over in their bubble with their current TV deal, so they're going to get max money. I So the, the move to 20 does not have to happen in the current TV deal. It's Notre Dame 19. But if the ACC breaks up at any time, the Big Ten will be forced to move just like they were by the Pac-12. Right. And
0: so
2: w- who they take, Just if the ACC implodes, yes. They'll jump on 19 and 20 out of the ACC, but they're Notre Dame-centric for the mm-hmm. Big Ten.
0: And also, I'll tell you all a little bit about us. Uh, Ron's listening in tonight. He was a former school board member. I know, Louie, you've talked to him uh, a couple times before. Uh, when we had you on one night talking we had uh you with uh David Nuno uh, a couple of years ago and uh that was that was a really a nice night and um, but it's he's listening and I know it's imp- important to him to uh be able to be a part of this. He is also he's our analyst and he does enjoy eating during the third quarter so sometimes I get it turned over to myself. Uh, I do the play by play and uh so sometimes we have to ask the question what is Ron eating uh, and uh we've got uh and like I said we've got uh another gentleman that will have his program starting uh next week his segment That's and, right
2: cuz you guys are high school centric like us Yes So you're going to have what the Kevin Bishop High School report starting up
0: Yes we will it'll be next uh next uh Wednesday night uh about 8 30 and he'll Party be high school coverage yes we we cover the high schools that's our that's our main focus is the high schools in our area and but we love to mix in opportunities when we have to get gentlemen like y'all and uh because that way expands our knowledge and it's really great i'm still waiting on the sponsorship for my segment during my lunch, 30 minutes on the Louis Bellina show, I believe that there is a way to fund both of us that way somehow. Uh, Rudy's
2: barbecue and the green chili stew.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but hey, I just want to tell y'all, Owen Buchanan and Louie Bellina, it's, it's been great having y'all. We went longer than I expected. I apologize about that, but sometimes... <laughs> the conversation just goes and uh, I just want to I just want to tell y'all I truly appreciate it I I really enjoy Olin's work I get to listen to him uh, in the eight o'clock hour uh, I get to listen to Louie during lunch and um, Louie I really appreciate your friendship and uh,
2: um, I appreciate yours uh, from the first time I met you because I met someone who loves radio, loves sports as much as I do. I appreciate your friendship. I enjoy the text messages, and you know we talk sometimes when you're driving home from work. Uh, I appreciate your friendship too,
0: Olin. He's you got to get him to see some of the pictures I've sent him that are absolutely hilarious. Um,
1: I'll be looking forward to that. Oh,
0: it's you when when he when you're on with him on. Uh, is it Wednesdays or Thursdays you're on with him?
1: Tuesday.
0: Okay. Hey, you've got to have him. If he's still got them, I can resend them if he don't still have Uh, Like I said, I've got a daughter that plays every sport, and she's 5'7". And this group of girls is very talented. Uh, they're really good in volleyball. This weekend we're going to be playing a bunch of 7A schools, a private 6A school, Um. They can play at that level at times. Just a couple of weeks ago, they played and whipped a 7A school in Florence High School. Um, can they lose? Yes, but they're really talented. But we're no height. We're 5'7", 5'7", 5'7" across the front.
2: 5'7", well, but she's extremely talented.
0: And uh, but the funny part is, I'll send him pictures when she she's the she has to play the four in basketball a lot. She also has to play the five. Which creates mismatches. She can blow by people and she can shoot over them. But the funny part is, is when she has to, uh, set up inside because it's nothing uncommon for her to have to guard somebody <laughs> that's six foot or better. And it really gets kind of comical. I sent him one picture. Uh, I believe it's from the scrimmages at JSU this summer and she's guarding the post player for this one big school. And you can't find her. I mean, she is literally, literally, literally gardener, but it was so, so humorous. But again, I just want to say thank you to both of you. Great luck in everything in life. Um, Lord help it if Olin figures out how to like Florida Georgia line. Uh, <laughs> That's
2: never happened. <laughs> and... Okay, that's one of the signs of the apocalypse. <laughs> it's not like in the Bible, but trust me on this. That's one of the signs of the apocalypse.
0: But I do, I do want to say thank you to both you guys. It's been an extreme pleasure tonight, and I look forward to listening to y'all the uh, rest of the year. Thank you so much. Enjoy it anytime,
2: right. Randy. You know that it's fun. I mean. What, we're hanging out and just talking and talking sports yeah that that's that's a good time
0: all right well almost that I'll say good evening to both of y'all enjoy the rest of your night I know Olin's got to get up early like I do and Louie how in the world would you stay up till I get up the next morning I have no idea usually
2: uh, man I don't believe in sleep <laughs> first, I just don't believe in it what good is it you don't get to do
0: anything that's I get four to four and a half hours sleep that's about it but yeah. I there's things to do, man. There's games to watch. <laughs> I'm lucky if I get. I'm lucky when when they would have the pack, when they would have the uh, Pac-12 after dark. I'm lucky if I oh, get past the first quarter.
2: <laughs> I live for it. This is the last year. We better enjoy it.
0: Yeah, it is. All right. Look forward to uh, listening to you tomorrow. And uh, y'all have a great evening.
2: Have a good one. You too. All right.
1: Thank you.
0: That was Owen Buchanan and Louis Bellina. We want to thank them for, uh, joining us tonight. This program brought to you by Alpha Insurance to Lisa Walker Brothers in Bayleton, Affordable Auto and Tire, Traditions Bank, Traditions Mortgage, Holly Pond Animal Clinic, Citizens Bank and Trust, Hopper's Family Market and Pharmacy, Mullins Body Shop, Merchants Bank of Alabama, Randall Shedd, Alabama District 11 Representative, Holly Pond Supermarket, the Rough House, farmers, farmer's Poultry Supply, Moss Service Funeral Home, Holly Pond Tire and Lube, Stewart Auto Parts, Halls RV, Heritage Dental with Dr. Bradley McKinney, Alabama Web Press, Dan Stevens at Alabama Health Guidance, Soul Photography and Travel, The Spirit Shop, and The Awards Palace, and a reminder coming up next week Kevin Bishop will be joining us he will be starting his segment next Wednesday night uh we anticipate probably 8:30 i'll post it next week it could be it could be as early as 8 and uh, also they've got uh, they've got a supper uh tomorrow night uh as Pennington will be hosting Appalachian and their jamboree Holly Pond has their jamboree at Hansville on Friday night And again, next week, varsity volleyball gets started on Thursday night and varsity football at home against Clemens on Friday night. With that, we'll say good evening to everyone. Y'all have a great night, and we'll see you next week.